0: Grace to you and peace from God the Creator and from Jesus Christ, our Teacher and Redeemer, and from the Holy Spirit who binds us together in Christian worship. I want to welcome everyone to worship this morning, whether you are here in person or joining us via Zoom. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. We begin our worship by lighting the Christ candle. Whenever we do this, we remember Jesus' promise in the Gospel of Matthew that wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I would invite you to use the words in the bulletin as a centering prayer to help guide you into this time and space as we listen to the prelude. Let us rise in body or remain upright in spirit as we join together in the call to worship. Praise the Lord. Sing Sing God's praise praise in in the the assembly of the faithful. faithful. For the Lord takes pleasure in the people. Let Let the the faithful faithful sing for joy. joy. Let us pray. Almighty God whose ways are far beyond our understanding. Help us to trust your judgments so that we may do your will by loving you and one another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Jesus, Jesus. Fill us with your love. Show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. Kneels at the feet of his friends. Silently washes their feet. Master who acts as a slave to them. Jesu, Jesus. Fill us with your love Show us how to serve The neighbors we have from you Neighbors are wealthy and poor varied in color and race Neighbors are near us and far away Jesu, Jesu Fill us with your love Show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. These are the ones we should serve. These are the ones we should love. All these are neighbors to us and you. Jesu, Jesus. Jesus us with your love show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you loving puts us on our knees willing to wash others feet this is the way we should live like you Jesus Jesus us with your love show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you jesu jesu fill us with your love show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you
0: please be seated Please listen to the call to confession. Amid the countless things that human beings cannot fully comprehend about God, there stands this. God so loved us as to bathe us with grace and feed us with mercy and forgive us our sins. Confident in the love of God, let us pray together. Join me in the prayer of confession. Life-giving God, you know us better than we know ourselves. While we long to meet the demands of your justice, we often settle for a touch of righteous indigation. And though we long to resist evil with every fiber of our being, it is easy to confuse our anger over petty wrongs with your anger over real misuse of power. Teach us the difference between human precepts that bloom and fade like the grass, and your life-giving ways that are eternal. Help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only, that our lives may bear the fruit of eternal life. Amen. And hear us now as we confess in the silence of our own hearts. These are the words of assurance. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. Who is in the position to condemn? Only Only Christ. And And Christ died for us. Christ Christ rose rose. for us. Christ Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In In Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ, we are are forgiven. Friends, the peace of Christ is sweeter than the oils of gladness. Let us share this peace with one another as we exchange greetings this day. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also, and also with, you. with
1: you. Peace be with you. And as we are sharing that peace with one another and with those of uh, who are joining us on Zoom, Uh, I would like to invite the young people in our midst to come forward for the children's sermon.
2: Come on up. I don't bite. Ooh. Good. All right. You can sit. I hurt myself. Okay. All right. And hi to the kids on Zoom as well. Hello. Okay, today is two cents a meal Sunday. And two cents a meal doesn't sound like much, does it? Two cents doesn't sound like much, does it? What is this? What is this little coin here? You can pass it around. What is that? What does that look like? A penny. Okay, so does a penny by itself look like much? Do you think you could get much for a penny okay back when i was your age i could get a piece of candy for a penny that doesn't happen anymore what are you surprised that you could get candy for a penny or that i was your age once (laughs) which is it (laughs) both (laughs) okay what is okay let me have the penny back thank you what's this A a coin okay what kind of coin Do you know? It's okay if you don't. This is how you learn. What kind of coin is it? It's money, okay? It's a dime. And it takes ten pennies. And this is our tiniest coin, okay, that we have. And it takes ten pennies to make this little coin, okay? Okay? And here we have another coin. And what's that one? What's that coin? What is it? What is that one? No, it's not a quarter. It's a fifth of a quarter. It's a nickel. And it takes five pennies to make that coin. Okay, so since you called the last coin, okay, we'll have this back it's going to go in what's that one? What did you just say it was? A quarter right, okay, so pass the quarter around. It takes twenty five pennies to make a quarter. so do you see how we can put this least coin, and that's what we call it in in p w. Presbyterian women the least coin in the Bible there was a widow and they were taking a collection and that collection all she had there were people that were putting gobs of money and things into the offering and there was a widow and all the widow had was a penny it was called a mite it was the littlest coin that they could have and she put in All she had. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody else who was well healed, and gave all kinds of money. Because she gave from her heart. And that's what we do with two cents a meal. We give of our money, but we give from our heart to provide people with food who don't have food who can't find it difficult to go to a grocery and get food, or to a farmer's market and get food. So that's what we do. And there's a lot of hurricanes coming ashore now. People are not going to be having food. And the money that we collect today is going to be going to help Presbyterian Disaster Hunger Fund, okay, and to be helping people here in Gilderland who don't have enough money to get food. So... How many of you feel like taking a basket and helping me collect some money? Okay, come on. Let's get some. Okay. And I'm going to drop these coins right in there. Okay, Atticus, let me give you a basket that's your size. And Emily, I'll give you one that's your size. And here you go, Layla. Yay. Yay, I know. Okay. So go ahead and just socially distance yourselves, though. Okay? Don't hit each other. This is not this is not armed combat. Okay. Go If you want to go up this side, Layla, if you want to go down the other side, and Atticus, if you want to go down to the middle and just hold the basket out, people will put money in. Do you want me to walk with you? Layla, you want to go to this? I mean, you want to go to this side? Here we go, baby. Okay. All right. There we go. There we go sometimes money makes noise and sometimes it doesn't (laughs) those green bills that you see in there okay those are a hundred if they're ones they're a hundred pennies I have Mr. Hasselbarth to help me if my math's off (laughs) All right, and some people have been sending in their two cents a meal through our um, donation page, and I thank you for that. Um, every every little bit counts now you have to give it to me <laughs> and then I take it home and I put it in coin wrappers, and I take it to the bank and give it to the church. okay, so let 's drop it in. Okay. Not quite? Oh, good. Okay, now we have everyone. Okay. Hang on to your baskets a minute while we pray, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you have given us, from the smallest of the small to the largest of the large, to the little things, the surprises, this beautiful, cool morning. And we thank you for these Pennies and coins and bills that have been given, and we ask that you will bless our efforts and bless this money to put food on people's tables. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's put our baskets away. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can just stick right there. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Listen to the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as your word is read and preached, pass among your gathered people open minds to increase understanding, open hearts to bind us together in your love. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Our Psalter lesson this morning is Psalm 149. It is about praise for God's goodness to Israel. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their king with fetters and their nobles with chains of iron to execute on them the judgment decreed This is glory for all his faithful ones. Praise the Lord.
1: Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And this is not in your bulletin, but a lesson from the prophets. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 1 through 7. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem The letter was sent by the hand of Elisha, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us now rise as we are able to sing hymn number 103. with Matthew through Matthew as we focus on Matthew 25 and the larger denominational uh, effort towards becoming a Matthew 25 church. But this morning, I'm going to take half a step back from Matthew, not a full step, mind you, just half a step, so that we can hear from the prophet Jeremiah who at this point is writing to the remaining elders among the exiles of Jerusalem. Jeremiah is still in the holy city, but he will soon be forcibly removed. His time is limited. He knows it. And there is a palpable an urgency in his words. Now, the Babylonian exile was ferocious. It was brutal. Nebuchadnezzar, with his powerful and brutal Babylonian army at his command, forced the Israelites from their homeland, dispersing them at random throughout the Babylonian empire and the known world. Many were murdered, and many more were exiled from their homeland, taken against their will to a foreign land to be resettled among a foreign and enemy people. The purpose of such a dispersion was, in part, to destroy their culture. Nebuchadnezzar knew that given enough time, the displaced Israelites would eventually intermarry in their new land. That they were far enough away from their beloved Jerusalem that, perhaps given enough time, they would simply dissolve into history, maybe be, even be forgotten completely. So Jeremiah writes to the few surviving elders. Not many were left. Most have been killed or died from illness or simple old age by this time. And these words that Jeremiah writes might have sounded to them like a shocking betrayal at worst, or at the least like a distressing surrender. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what you produce. Get married, have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters, husbands, in order that they too might have children. Boy, it really sounds like Jeremiah is telling us that this is it. Pack it in, boys. Boss says we're done. Time to assimilate and forget. Just forge ahead as best we can till to dust we return. And if he didn't continue on in his letter, that might very well be what he was saying. But he does continue on with a slight glimmer of hope. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Okay. So try to persevere. But how can that possibly happen in an enemy nation? And then he says something that is just downright flabbergasting. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because your future depends on its welfare. Imagine being one of these exiles and hearing this letter. You're likely confused, but you're probably angry. Unbelieving of what you are hearing, pray for my enemy who has taken me captive. What Jeremiah is exhorting his people to do is, in essence, hunker down and get ready for the long haul. This isn't going to be a short stay in Babylon, he seems to say. God will return us home someday. But you're here now and you're here for a while. So get comfortable. In fact, after this selected passage in verse 10, Jeremiah points out to the exiles that this exile is going to last as long as 70 years. A couple of generations at least. It can be hard to find a message of hope in this letter. Imagine being told you were being forcibly, forcibly removed from not just your house, your home, but your country. To be resettled in a foreign land, to live amongst a people you consider your enemy. But Jeremiah is not unsympathetic, and God does impart through him a note of hope. Yes, you have been exiled. Yes, your lives have been turned inside out and upside down. Yes, it feels as if you have been completely abandoned by the God who has claimed to love you and your people. But you haven't. God has not given up on you. God hasn't abandoned you. Yes, God has allowed this exile to take place, but God still desires that you do the things that make for a good life. Build houses. Plant gardens. Get married. Have kids. Have grandkids. God desires you to live good, whole, fulfilled lives, whatever that looks like to you, and I will be with you. This is where Jeremiah's message is most unexpected and radical. Because he did not expect a restoration to their homeland to occur soon, he attempted to dispel the illusion of an immediate return. Up until this point, the Israelites and Judeans were a pretty insular nation, not really marrying outside of their culture and tradition. But this profound message presupposed faith in God's universal rule and accessibility. And it challenged the nationalism of zealous Judeans as well as their regard for the Jerusalem temple as the exclusive place of approach to God. Jeremiah is liberating people's idea of where God can be found. Before, God was, in a sense, limited to the temple Only in the temple could we call upon Yahweh and know that Yahweh would answer. So this isn't a call to give up their faith. Quite the opposite. They are being called to hold closer to their traditions than ever before, preserving them through the extension of family lines, creating a counterculture within the empire they find themselves in. And here I want to take that half step back forward toward Matthew because this is a point that a few centuries later Jesus will himself make when he tells us that wherever two or more are gathered, I am there. The presence of God cannot be limited to any physical place. For Jeremiah, faith in God becomes faith in the universality of God. When Jeremiah says pray to Yahweh, he is affirming the fact that Yahweh can be found in this distant and foreign and enemy land. You can call on Yahweh even without temple and sacrifice, and Yahweh will answer. For God is present everywhere even at the margins among the broken, the dejected, and the subjugated. This viewpoint is revolutionary, for Jeremiah shows that their religion does not depend on access to power, to the existence of the temple, or the offering of sacrifices. As prophets usually do, Jeremiah here gives the people a different word, than they were expecting and hoping for. Where the people yearn for revenge and spilled blood of their enemies, Jeremiah tells them to pray for their captors. Seek the good of the land to which God has banished you. Seek the well-being of the land of your enemies. Would you be able to do that? I confess that I'm not sure I could. Because let's face it. Loving our captors, our enemies, after they have made us to suffer extreme violence and humiliation, it is an illustration of the political significance of love of one's enemies. It applies not only to private enemies but also to collective national enemies. It requires us to think of their well-being, their peace, their shalom, and to be concerned for it. But Jeremiah, and later Jesus, point us to an even larger reality. Even though you are exiles, you cannot live apart and separate from the place in which you now reside. Or from the people who are now your neighbors, even if it is against your will. Your futures are now very much tangled up together. You must now accept where you are. If this foreign city does well, you will do well. And if it doesn't, you won't. And vice versa. Think about this. If all the members of a family unit are healthy and happy, the family unit is most likely happy and healthy. The same is true of larger and larger groups of people, churches, communities, cities, states, nations, the world. But when a family member becomes ill or diagnosed with a life-threatening disease the stress on the family as a whole increases, and the health and happiness of the family begins to lose its balance. And the same is true for those larger and larger groups. We cannot stay confined to our own groups and cultures or even our own communities and expect to thrive we cannot limit ourselves to our own echo chambers and expect to grow. If we stay behind closed doors and borders, literal and figurative, we will fail to flourish, and so will our communities, both local and global. We cannot build walls, literal or metaphoric, and be living into God's desires for us. It's not quite a command But it's imperative that we listen. See, the people of ancient Israel were led into exile by their own failures to follow Yahweh. It was their neglect of issues that affected people, especially those on the margins, those that suffered from political, social, and cultural insecurity and discrimination. It was the policies and legislations and cultural traditions that benefited the very few that were contrary to God's will and desire for their lives that led the people to be overtaken by Babylon. And the same is true of us today. We have to actively resist those structures, corporations, and people who wield power over the many and would use fear to push people to do their will rather than God's. This morning, there may not be an invading empire threatening to force us from our home. We do not face the threat of exile to a foreign land. Yet we are still called to live as exiles. We are called to live in this time and place to work for its benefit and for the benefit of its people, all people. That means people that don't look like us, don't think like us, and may not even believe like us. Because when they thrive, we thrive. And that is more than anything God's desire. And God's spirit moves through us. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we affirm our faith using the words in your bulletin? We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image to live as one community. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere, the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the church. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. And at this time, I would like to invite Lindsay to come forward for our Minute for Mission.
3: Good morning. Can you hear me over the cricket? It's loud back there in the corner. I'm going to make today's minute for mission quick because it's the fifth Sunday of this month and I think we covered our topic of schools and food insecurity pretty well. So I wanted to review just a couple of the items that I had mentioned and we'll leave it at that. First, I spoke about some of the programs our local schools have organized to address hunger in our area. We learned that some schools have received grants to help reach more kids and families experiencing food insecurity. We learned about some of the fun activities schools are organizing, like the cereal box domino game that Layla and Aji played at their school. Schools are finding ways to get their students involved in relevant events. And Megan... She spoke to us on the third week of this month and shared a little bit about what her school has been doing, the farm that they've been building, and the backpack program in which they participate. Getting kids involved in activities addressing hunger is important in many ways, but here are the ones that I think are key. It provides an opportunity for our kids to learn about food insecurity, to better understand what causes it, and what we can do to help those experiencing it and two, for those kids who worry about when they'll get their next meal and what will be in it, they can see that they're not alone in their situation and that they're surrounded by a supportive community that truly cares. I also spoke about some of the programs our schools participate in that provide breakfast, lunch, after-school snacks, milk, and summer meals to kids. Many of these options have been available in different ways to kids across the country for decades, but since COVID hit, free breakfast and lunch has been made available to all kids and the usda extended the reimbursement program through this next school year one of the many benefits of this extension is that it allows schools to cut through some of the red tape they previously dealt with they don't have to worry about checking students income eligibility completing application process or endless paperwork now they can simply focus on feeding hungry kids Last week, I went a bit off topic. I spoke briefly about the devastation in Haiti and Afghanistan and how hard it is to watch or read the news of what's been going on in those countries. I read to you something I had seen earlier in the week about feeling helpless and how it's actually a good thing, because we're not supposed to know what's best for the people of Haiti or Afghanistan. We need to center their pain, not ours. And I think the same can be applied to families experiencing hunger. It's not our place to surmise what led to a parent's unemployment, what they should do to get back up on their feet. We simply need to recognize that they are suffering and do what we can to help without judgment. I'm going to finish with a couple action items. When you see an opportunity to contribute to a school-sponsored event, please do it. That can be in person or by providing your child, grandchild, or your neighbor's kids with an extra item to donate at school because it's not about just that can of soup or the box of cereal you donate. It's about empowering our kids to address an issue that affects so many while at the same time teaching them about compassion. And don't forget about the Presbyterian disaster Assistance. We know that they're on the ground in Haiti right now working with local partners to get food and other resources to people in need. And they'll remain active there throughout the entire recovery process so they can support rebuilding and resilience. Thank you.
0: Please listen to the invitation to the offering. God calls our spirits to come away and take flight. In this season of love and light, let us be generous givers, that we may be known as children of our bountiful God.
1: in fear. We are called to be hope for the hopeless, so hatred and violence will be no more. We are called to act with justice. We are called to love ten.
0: Let us pray together. God of light, every generous act of giving and every perfect gift comes from you.
1: May the offering we bring
0: before you this day testify to who we are and whose we are. And may the gifts of your hands reflect the bounty of your harvest in our lives.
1: Amen. Amen. Scripture says, everything in creation makes a joyful noise to the Lord. I have never had to compete with a cricket before, (laughs) but I'm wondering if perhaps this little guy has a more important word to say to us this morning. This morning, uh, we do keep in prayer um, the people of Afghanistan who continue to be plagued by escalating violence. And we pray especially for the families of our 13 service members who died in that awful attack this week. (sighs) sometimes words uh, cannot adequately express. How long, O Lord? But also for the scores of Afghan people who were killed and wounded, we pray for God's intervention in that painful area of the world. We continue to pray for Haiti. um, And we pray for those who are in the path of Hurricane Ida uh, in Louisiana and on the Gulf Coast at this very hour. Um, Some days just feel very heavy. Friends, with so much on our hearts and our minds, Let us turn to God in prayer. God of grace, nourish us this day. Through your word and our worship, strengthen our desire to discern and do your will. Focus us on your path of righteousness so we can walk steadily under your direction. Bend your ear, to us, God of love, as we pray not only for ourselves, but for people everywhere. This morning, we lift up to you the people of your world. God, uh, for a world that continues to be shrouded in the pandemic of COVID-19, We pray continued vaccinations and an easing of all that is continuing to make this pandemic drag on. God, we pray for scientific breakthroughs. We pray for understanding. We pray for selflessness in doing what is necessary to curb its spread. God, this morning we are acutely aware of the presence of violence in your world, both close to home in shootings that take place, even in our own city, but all across our nation as gun violence just continues to be a thing that we seem to just live with rather than taking steps to curb it. We pray that we would start to see one another as people, as human beings who are created equally in your image. But God, we are mindful that violence is not contained just within our nation but across this world after we bore witness to a horrible attack in Afghanistan. We pray for the families of all the dead. But we are especially mindful of the families of the 13 service members who were so close to being home. God, we pray that you would surround all of them With your arms of comfort. God, we pray for the people of Haiti as they continue to struggle from the pandemic, from an earthquake, from tropical storms and mudslides. God, the people of Haiti cry out to you and we cry with them. How long, O Lord? We pray for the people who are in the paths of natural disasters. We are particularly mindful at this hour of those in the path of Hurricane Ida. We pray that this storm would weaken and that the rains and flood waters would subside quickly, that those in its path would be safe and find shelter. God, you place on us as a people of faith an incredible responsibility to care for all people. And we pray that you would help us to see ways that we can support those who will be displaced by this and all disasters, that we would be agents of hope, of change. Your hands and feet in our world. God of mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for those whose work leaves them exhausted and dissatisfied, for those struggling to pay bills and to put food on the table, for those consumed by endless tasks and daily chores, for those in need of a lighter load. God of mercy, Hear our prayers. We pray for leaders, administrators, and decision-makers who carry a heavy mantle and who cannot please everyone, yet who still strive to do what is good and right. We pray for our nation's leaders, that they would uphold those in need, defend the oppressed, and do not succumb to the idols of money and power. We pray for disputes to end, for people to work together, for our nation and our world to know peace. God of mercy, hear our prayers. And as we think about students, God, we pray for all students and teachers and aides and cafeteria workers who are returning to school in the excitement to return there is energy there is hope and while this school year will look very different than years past we know that students and teachers are excited to just be together again we pray for parents who are seeing children off on the bus for the 12th year in a row or for the very first time We pray that this year would be a year of learning, of exploration, of growth, that you would be in it. God of mercy, hear our prayers. Bless our doctors, our nurses, and our medical staff with reserves of strength and endurance Bless the patients filling our hospitals with healing and hope. Bless those working on our behalf to curb this pandemic. Build among us, holy God, a sense of mutual responsibility for the health and safety of our communities, of our nation, and our world. O God, this morning we are mindful that all of creation sings your praise. We pray that we would listen for those creatures, great and small, that are lifting a song of joy to you. Help us to hear. Help us to listen. Help us to quiet our own minds, mouths, and hearts, that we would be open to receiving your word in new and humorous and glorious ways. Oh God, in your loving purpose, give us the will to be the answer to the prayers we pray for the sake of the one who saves, Jesus Christ our Lord. United as a family of faith and as the body of Christ, we lift these prayers to you, God our creator, redeemer and sustainer. And finally, hear us pray the prayer Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, Let us now rise as we are able to sing our final hymn. Sing songs of mirth. Go now as Christ's beloved, as the family of God. Go now as gifts of the Spirit, in spirit and in truth. Go now remembering who you are and whose you are. Amen.